All right, thank you very much. Paul, we welcome you back from a couple of weeks of vacation. I'd like you to open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Colossians and the third chapter. I heard a story several years ago about a man who decided to play a trick on four of his friends. So he sent to each of them an anonymous note that simply said, All is discovered. Flee. Three of the four left town immediately. Most people fear the disclosure of the secrets of their lives. Certainly in the day in which we're living, before someone enters public service, he or she had better consider that. But not all of the secrets of our lives are bad and unhappy ones. Yesterday I visited with one of our attendees who was in the hospital, an elderly lady. <clears throat> and as we talked, she recounted her first memory of church. She was a little girl, three years old, and after church, her mother and father had to practice in the choir. And so her mother said to her, I want you to go out and to sit on the front steps of the church and wait until we're done practicing, and then we'll come out and get you, and we'll walk home. This was in Amory, Wisconsin, many, many years ago. And so she did. And she remembers sitting on those steps, listening to the choir, and hearing her mother's voice, her mother now long dead, Hearing her mother's voice, I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love for me. What a wonderful memory to have your mother's voice frozen in your mind from three years of age, singing of Jesus. Well, life has contained its troubles and its trials for freedom. And yesterday, at her advanced age, I saw her lying there in a hospital bed. She may not ever be back in a church service again. Only God knows. But as she spoke to me of how she had grown in the Lord under the ministry of Dr. W.B. Riley, Dr. Moyer, at First Baptist Church in Minneapolis, And as she recounted to me her experiences with God in her recent years, it's very clear that her focus and her gaze is upon something that's beyond this world. <clears throat> she spoke of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely, she said, the Lord is going to return soon. Well, I believe the same thing. Before he returns for all of us, she knows that he may return for her and take her home to be with herself. How do you explain a woman who is advanced in age, facing the reality of 
life being very short, death may be soon at hand, we don't know. And doing that with an attitude of optimism and hope, with a smile on her face. I'll tell you how you can explain it. It's because of the secrets of her life. The Apostle Paul, in our text, says to us, in essence, if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need. And in this paragraph we're going to look at this morning, he talks about three secrets of the life of the child of God. If then, or better, since then, you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. The first secret of the believer's life that I see in this text is the secret of the believer's life's source. Everybody has some source for their inner life. That energy within them that enables them to function in this world on an emotional, mental, and social level. Some find their life's energy in ideas like self-realization or self-actualization, the, the psychobabble terms of self-esteem that are so prominent in our day. <clears throat> Some find their life source in relationships with family or friends. And when they're around people, that's when they're really with it, you know, and that, that energy exudes from them. Others find their life source and energy in the church or in their religion. Some find their energy and vitality in their work that they do for the community. Perhaps it's in social activism or it's in political change or movements. But it's in that sort of thing where they find the energy for their lives. And perhaps none of these things is wrong that I've talked about. But my question is, is that really going to carry you through? You see, the child of God has a source of inner life that far exceeds any of these that we've talked about. For the life source of the child of God is his union with Jesus Christ. It is that union, that connection with Christ himself, that provides the energy, the power, and the endurance to carry us through all of life's seasons and into eternity. The life source that we have in Christ is described in several ways. He says, you have died. Well, we died with Christ. He's talked about that in earlier verses. He says, you've been raised up together with Christ. You see, we have a union with Jesus. So that whatever happened to Jesus 2,000 years ago happened to us. And now whatever happens to us happens to him. 
When we rejoice, he rejoices. When we suffer, he suffers. There is a life connection between us and Christ because of our dying with him and being raised with him. He describes this union with these words, Your life is hidden with Christ. In that word hidden, there is pictured the idea of a spring that secretly provides water for a city, such as the spring of Gihon, or Gihon as some pronounce it. It is the spring that flows out of a mountainside in Israel. And thousands of years ago, there was a people that built a city around that spring. It was called Jebus, the Jebusites. And it existed there as a city in Palestine until David came along and conquered it. Do you know how he conquered it? Well, the Jebusites, in order to protect their fortress city called Jebus, had built a tunnel from the city down to the water, secretly. There was a tunnel that no one knew about. Except David and his men found out, and they went up through that tunnel and captured the city. Later, Solomon was anointed the king, was coronated as king at that very site, at the spring of Gihon. And uh, 250 years after Solomon, Hezekiah, in a time of siege in the city, when Sennacherib and the enemy were outside, he fortified and built uh, an extended tunnel down to that spring that the Assyrians never found. And that spring provided life and water for the city of Jerusalem under siege. What is the spring of the child of God that cannot be seen by the world but which secretly nourishes the soul the answer is it is Jesus your life is hidden with Christ and when your life is under siege and when uh, illness attacks you and you're lying on a bed wondering if you're going to get out of the hospital it is that spring, my friend, that sees you through. The secret of the believer's life's source. He says, third, Christ is our life. Notice he doesn't say Christ gives us life. He says Christ is our life. It reminds me of what Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You see... The vine gives the life to the branches and extends himself through the branches. And that's what Jesus does in you and me. Norman Geisler said, Life in this world will be better if it is lived by a power beyond this world. And that's what a Christian has. I hope today you have this secret of a life's source that goes outside of this world into eternity and is found in the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the second secret that I see in this paragraph is the secret of the believer's life's security. This word hidden 
in verse 3 is one that also implies being safe and secure. Notice that it implies that we are doubly secured. It says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. With Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ. If our life is hidden with Christ, then where is Christ? He tells us in verse 1, He is seated at the right hand of God. That means in the language of that day, that Christ is in the place of acceptance and equality with God the Father. And you and I are hidden with him who is seated there at the right hand of God. The connection that we have, the union that we have, goes right to the one who is counted equal with God and who is fully accepted by God. Romans 8.34 says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. You and I are as secure as the position of Jesus Christ. If it were possible for him to be removed from the right hand of God, then we could fear our security and wonder if we were safe. But our life's security is based upon the one who is at the right hand of God eternally. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so what of God? Well, Romans 8, verses 31 to 33 gives us a hint where Paul says, If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Now, if Jesus is at the right hand of God, that means that God is the one who's on the throne. He's the judge. He is the one who has the right to condemn. Or the one who has the right to say, you're innocent. And that's exactly what Paul says. God, who is on the throne, has already spoken. And he says, I declare you, believing in Jesus Christ, to be justified. That means our sins are forgiven. We receive the righteousness of Christ. And God sees no sin in us. We are as accepted by God, who sits on the throne as fully as he accepts his own son. There is nothing that can get your life, get to your life to destroy it or to damage it. For you have been concealed with Christ in God. Dr. A.T. Robertson wrote, So here we are, in Christ, who is in God, And no burglar, not even Satan himself, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
The world cannot understand that kind of confidence and assurance that the Christian has. It's a secret. It belongs to the believer to know that he's right with God. There's a third secret that I see in our text. It is the secret of the believer's life's destiny. He says, whenever Christ is revealed, then you also will be revealed. One day Christ is going to be openly displayed to the world. The picture here is like the lifting of a veil. And I think of a bride at a wedding who comes down the aisle veiled. Now the groom already knows what's behind the veil, but he doesn't see it at that moment. If he's smart, he knows what's behind the veil. I mean, there are surprises, and then there are surprises, and you don't want that one. But there comes that moment in some ceremonies, still, when the Father lifts the veil. And what has been hidden to that point is shown to the bridegroom. Well, here it's the other way around. Christ is the one who is veiled. We don't see him now. The world doesn't see him now. But there's coming a day when the veil is going to be taken away. And the world will see him. But my friend, the secret of the believer is, on that day, we also will be revealed with him. John says, we shall... See him as he is. Therefore, he says, we shall be like him. At the same time that Paul wrote Colossians, he wrote Philippians. In the Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, he talks about what we're talking about here. He says, our citizenship is in heaven, not in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state, that is, a body that is humbled by disease and weakness and ultimately death because of sin's effect on it. That body, that humble body, will be transformed into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. So in that moment when he is revealed, he is going to exert power. And when he exerts power, his people in that instant are going to be changed to be like him. Now that's a secret that will sustain you for a while. When the question comes to your mind, However, can I go on? Or when you wonder whether it's worth all of your effort to be faithful to God. Or you're concerned about what's going to happen in the future to your kids, to your grandkids. With the world degenerating as it is. Do you ever wonder that? Listen, you have a secret that will sustain you. The world cannot comprehend it. It doesn't understand it. But you and I have a secret that says there's a destiny waiting for the child of God. 
and its glory. Warren Wiersbe wrote, The Christian life is a hidden life, as far as the world is concerned, because the world does not know Christ. Our sphere of life is not this earth, but heaven. And the things that attract us and excite us belong to heaven, not earth. That's why the Apostle exhorts us, as he does in this paragraph, Keep on seeking the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not the things that are on earth. Now he's going to talk to us about some of the things on earth as we continue on in chapter 3. And most of those things would be considered sinful. But not all things on the earth are sinful in and of themselves. Possessing something, for example. Is that sinful? No. What about playing? Is there something sinful about playing? Some Christians seem to think so. They don't play much. But there isn't. What about resting? We all need rest. But you see, any of those three can be sinful. If we focus on them, set our minds on them, if we set our affections on them, if we seek them before the kingdom of God, perhaps the greatest threat to our obedience to these commands today could be under the label amusements. In the declining days of Rome, the people went to the circus. And that's where Americans are going by the millions, to the circus. As one writer said some time ago, we are amusing ourselves to death in this country. With entertainment and sports and video games and movies and things to do that are fun And I say that those things, while they may not be wrong in themselves, are one of the greatest threats the Christians face in our culture to setting our minds on things above, not on the earth. How much time did you spend last week watching television or going to a movie or playing a video game as compared to the time that you spent really seeking the things of God? The scripture says that we are to set our minds on things above, that we're to keep seeking the things above. The things that we're called to. The place where our citizenship is. Because those are the things that are going to count in the end. Most of you won't be able to see this magazine that I'm holding up, but it's such a pretty picture I thought I would bring it and do a show-and-tell. It's the magazine of the Biblical Archaeology Society, their review magazine, the most recent issue. I'm fascinating, fascinated with every issue, but this particular one caught my eye because of what's on the front of it. That doesn't look like much, especially to those of you in the back. 
But what this is is a picture of a piece of clay called a bulla. When ancients wanted to seal a document or seal a scroll, they would take a piece of wax or clay and they would apply a seal to it. The piece of clay was called a bulla, B-U-L-L-A. This is a picture of one. And here written in ancient Hebrew on this particular ring, it says, Belonging to Berakayu, the son of Nerahu, the scribe. You say, so what? <laughs> well, that, that Hebrew is brought into our English as Baruch, son of Neriah, the scribe. And if you remember your Old Testament, this is the man who was the secretary, the amanuensis, the assistant to the prophet Jeremiah. He wrote with his hand some of the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah told him to write. He was an assistant and did chores and odd jobs for Jeremiah. And the thing, this is the second one that exists. There is another one that exists made from this very same seal that they've found. But this particular one is interesting because up here in this corner, and you, none of you can see it, even you, Paul, in the front row, as good as your eyes are, there is a fingerprint. And they believe that this is the fingerprint of Baruch. Be a natural thing for him to touch the clay as he put the seal upon it 2,600 years ago. And I looked at that and I was greatly moved by it. Realizing that two things struck me. First of all, that we are a part of a, a train, a parade of people who have loved God and served God on this earth. Sometimes we just see ourselves as the faithful who live right now. But folks, we're part of a parade. And this is our time on earth. And there are many who've been a part of this parade who are already in heaven. But this is our time. Let's make the most of it. Let's set our affection on what's coming and, and not be distracted by the things of the earth. But the second thing that struck me was that he's been gone thousands of years. And how quickly life passes. And as the scriptures say, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. If you're like me, you went out to your yard last summer and you pulled up a dandelion or two. You know, with roots about like this. or and it probably left a hole in your lawn, but how long did it take for that hole to fill up? And you didn't even have the place. That's the way life is. We think our roots are so deep and our place is so broad, and when we're gone, no one's going to miss us. And yet, when death plucks us up, it is not any time at all before that place is covered over and you're not remembered. It's kind of a dismal thought, isn't it? And I was praying about that this week. I said, Lord, this is not real encouraging to me. <laughs> and the Lord said, what are you studying for Sunday? I said, oh, 
Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, you're going to appear with him in glory. Life has its meaning. And it's not found in how long we live, but how well we live. And how faithfully we seek the things above and don't allow ourselves to be enticed and allured by the things that are on the earth that surely will pass away. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the challenge of this text this morning, and my prayer is that as we come to the communion table, you will show to us how we need to align our lives to live well, and wherein we have allowed ourselves to become focused and centered on the things of the earth. Show us. Please open our eyes so that however long we have in this world, we will use that time wisely. In Jesus' name, amen.